Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about a little-known movie called Toy Story 4, and I am very happy to be joined by my Pixar slash animation slash Disney slash do-it-all correspondent, Joe Morgan. Joe, thanks for being here. (laughs) Hey, Josh. Good to be here. Glad to have you, and I am also joined uh, by recurring guests, but for the first time, I'm convening this team of three by Adam Lichtenstein. Adam, what's up? Hey, Josh. How you doing? Good. Guys, I'm very excited to talk about Toy Story 4. This has been a very long-awaited movie, been in the works for quite some time. Uh, Toy Story 4 is obviously the fourth installment of Pixar's flagship franchise. It picks up a couple years after the end of Toy Story 3, a movie which many people thought put a perfect end to this story. But uh, alas, here we are with a fourth movie in which our favorite toys are living life with their second owner, Bonnie. And Woody, who everyone knows, is uh, been relegated to back-of-the-closet toy, and he's trying to kind of take the initiative and do something else with life and he'll help Bonnie on her first day of kindergarten. Uh, she's having a rough time and what is a very, very, uh, emotional sequence on the first day of kindergarten. He sneaks her some art supply. She builds her own toy out of a spork and some, uh, pipe cleaner. It, comes to life its name is forky and after their family goes on vacation forky keeps trying to escape woody escapes with forky and then we're on to our next adventure guys i want to back up for a second i wanted to set up the movie though there and we're going to spoil this movie because everyone and their mom and their all their kids are going to see it so i don't really care about spoiling it so i'll say that now but you know as I, i quickly said it earlier like toy story 3 everyone thought it was a perfect end and i think for people of our age specifically i feel like that's like a very strongly held opinion because uh, you guys are like a year younger than me, but you, so you were a few months from going to college when toy story three came out. I was 10 months removed from my parents dropping me off at college when toy story three came out. So just that movie just packs such a huge emotional punch and it feels like it's a really fitting ending to something, especially for kids like us who's like in effect childhoods were, were ending in that around just around the time that movie came out so i mean it's that movie has such a high approval rating it was pixar's like first ever best picture nominee and a lot of people were understandably a little skeptical when they said hey we're gonna go back to and do toy story 4 uh joe we talked about that a little bit at the end of the aladdin podcast so i want to just ask adam first like adam as someone who is a fan of these movies uh what was your reaction when you're like wait they're gonna be more toy stories yeah basically exactly what you said i mean I, you know, I, when Toy Story 3 came out, uh, I was, you know, two months away from going to college. You know, Toy Story, the first one's the first movie I think I ever saw in theaters. So, like, I was very, very skeptical when they, when they first announced Toy Story 4. In fact, I was basically saying up until I saw it Friday night, I was saying if this movie's not perfect, even if it's good, if it's not perfect, I'm going to be very angry because they ruined a good thing. And... Fortunately, it basically was perfect, and I am no longer <laughs> mad they made it. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Joe. I mean, like I said, we talked a little bit about it at the end of the Aladdin podcast, and I feel like, uh, as you put it, then uh, those first three movies are objectively like the best trilogy of all time, and you seem to have already like had a pretty good perspective going in, where it was like you were giving them the benefit of the doubt and kind of assuming it'd be good because they kind of earned it. But I think you were like uh, a little less like scared than adam you kind of knew you would always have these three movies but i think you were still cautiously optimistic about the fourth so uh just what was your reaction to it i know you've already seen the movie twice but i don't think that's indicative of you loving it so much you had to go again because you had already booked two tickets like three weeks ago so uh did 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 the movie uh ruin your childhood 
Uh, it certainly did not. You know, I, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure to put on 88 minutes or however long it is. Um, but no, um, the way I, when they first announced Toy Story 4, yeah. I guess it was five years ago, which just to give you, you know, an idea of how long the animation pipeline can be, you know, I was like really mad at first. I was like, what the heck? You know, really? like the Toy Story 3 was perfect. Like, are we going to do this? And then, you know, as time went on, I was like, you know what? I really do love these characters and they have earned the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, I'm just excited to see more of them. So, like, why would I be upset with this uh, other thing? And I'll always have this trilogy. And then, you know, screw it. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, so, you, you want to know, I, mean, I, think, I think the most impressive thing about this movie is, is that I can't argue with anyone that calls it unnecessary because it would have been perfectly fine. We would, and because we would have been just completely fulfilled and we weren't, we didn't feel like we were lacking for anything at the end of three. So I can't strongly argue with anyone that calls it unnecessary, but at the same time, I think it's more necessary than I like ever would have imagined. Like, even if I can't disagree, if someone just didn't love it as much as three and was like, Hey, that was unnecessary, but I had a good time. And I, I liked it more than I would say those people did. But the fact is, I feel like they found a way to tell us tell the story in a way that did feel more essential than I think most people assumed it was going to be, and that it actually like completed the story of these toys. Whereas I think, as you put it, like I think everyone had already kind of figured this out. But Joe, you were, we were talking to you before we started recording about the Q and A Q&A you got to go to with some of the uh, people involved in the movie. But I feel like it's a pretty apt way to put it, where it was like it, it finished telling the story of like these specific characters in a way that maybe it wasn't quite done at the end of the third. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the Q and I, I went to today was Andrew Stanton, um, who has, you know, is involved in the Pixar brain trusts and all that. He said that toy story four really would bring a conclusion to Woody's story in the way that three didn't. And, you know, also in toy story three, you have that thread of, um, when they're in Andy's room at the very beginning, you know, Woody briefly acknowledges uh, Bo Peep going her separate mm-hmm. way. And that's just there. It's hanging out there. And, you know, Bo Peep is so much part of the emotional heart of the first two, at least as far as what he's concerned. So um, definitely a thread worth tying up and something that I honestly thought that they did wonderfully uh, here. I will say one other thing I, that I was worried about was that um, I was worried it'd just be kind of a cash grab. Okay. Bring back these characters that everyone loves that you know people are going to go see it because they want to see these characters. And then you also have uh, Disney World. You've got, you know, Toy Story Land, where which opened in, uh, what, 2018 or 2017, seven, eight years after the third one came out. So it's like I was worried it would just be an attempt to keep the characters in people's minds and keep it relevant, even if the movie wasn't great, just so you could, you know, still, you know, kind of sell these characters at, at Disney World. Mm-hmm. That was that was something that I had that in mind that I was a little worried yeah. about. I think I probably would have been more, more worried about it if I'd actually I didn't even know that they had opened like a separate Toy Story thing at Disney they, World. Yeah, it's in um, Hollywood Studios. It's really not great. There's a I mean, I there's only a couple rides. It's fine. It's not it's not incredible. Galaxy's Edge for Star Wars will be better. Well, it's interesting. These movies these movies make so much money, but then like you go to like the parks like any on any given day, even if it's not like even if it's not like a day that you think there would be like a ton of people at the parks, but there's still like a ton of people at the parks and those parks are like actually pretty expensive to go to. And it's like, wow, like they actually probably do make more money off of the parks than they do these movies. So it almost like makes sense that one would, one would be that cynical, uh, with respect to, uh, with, with respect to one of these movies. Uh, that's, uh, Adam's dog melody who wants to be the fourth co-host of this podcast. She has some strong takes on 
Toy Story 4. I don't know. I think she, uh, I think she wanted Slink to have more screen time. I don't know. Uh, but uh, he does it. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, exactly. But that, that's that's actually funny that I happen to say that because that's what I was gonna. That's the next thing I wanted to kind of ask you guys about this movie broadly before we talk about the story, uh, 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 this the specific plot. But I mean. Uh, before, like when I first saw the trailer and I heard people talking about it a little bit, and then the, the critics first saw it like three weeks ago, like I kept hearing people mention Forky, and like you see Forky like in the trailer a little bit, but I tried to learn as little about the story going in as I could. I guess I just assumed Forky was some kind of new toy, and I didn't need to know anything else. Like I think I only saw a picture of Forky like once. But, but what was interesting about Forky was that like obviously like, a very interesting character, but I and I assumed would have like a decent amount of time, but like this movie really kind of put, puts aside uh, all, most of the characters that we have long relationships with besides Woody and Bo Peep. So obviously I think you guys all like the movie, so I don't really need to say if you thought that was a good decision, but what was your reaction when it's like, wow, we're like really kind of leaving these people on the sidelines? Yeah, really, really getting into the weeds on Forky, but um, I mean, yeah, it was definitely an interesting choice and not one I expected because, yeah, I didn't know that Forky was going to be such a big character. I mean, his name's Forky. Like, you know, it's not exactly, <laughs> he's a spork. Like, you know, I didn't expect that. Okay. Maybe he'll be in there. And, you know, I don't really know anything about what the movie was going to actually be about. So I really know clue what role Forky would play. So it was definitely kind of a surprise to see him basically be what the number two or three character in yeah. the movie, uh, you know, with the second or third most screen time be the focal point of the movie. But, um, as a as a big Forky stand now, uh, I'm not I'm not complaining. Uh, Forky is an icon. Yeah, Joe, what do you th- what do you think of our uh, newest uh, uh, child made toy? I love Forky. I thought it was just such a you know when you look at like this franchise from you know movie one through three coming into this one, like every toy, every member of the room so desperately wants to be played with, and they want to. Um, in the words of Gabby Gabby, the most noble thing you can do is uh, to give yourself over to a child as a toy. So it's like every toy is just so fixated on being playing, being played with. And I thought it was just such a like just a delicious thing for Woody to have to deal with to have a toy that is literally throwing himself into the trash, throwing himself out of clothes. Was, yeah, exactly. Um, I really love Forky, and I will say this: I think. And this may this may be misplaced credit. This is just me ent- entirely editorializing, for lack of a better word. But I do think you know one of my favorite things about Inside Out, where Josh Cooley, the director, was head of story, was how weird they got with that movie, uh, as opposed to um, other Pixar entries in the past. And I do like to think that Josh Cooley's influence here allowed a character as weird as Forky to exist in Toy Story Four, where that may not have been possible. Um, as recently as uh, ten years ago, well, a so. lot of a lot of Pixar movies, um, sp- especially Toy Story three, are like they're even though they're kids' movies, they're not afraid to like confront death. Uh, obviously, because of the iconic moment at the end of Toy Story three with all of them holding their hands. But there's a difference between that and like literally having like a toy that's having an existential crisis trying to like kill itself constantly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's funny enough when he's saying his name over and over again and just yelling tr- and or, or or just saying trash over and over again and jumping in the trash. But it is a toy like trying to like. I mean, somewhat kill itself over and over again in a kids movie. Like, did you? I mean, uh, how, how do you guys think it walked that tightrope? I mean, does it really matter that it's getting that dark if they do it in a way that allows everyone to still laugh at it? Yeah, it's, well, this, it, it's funny enough okay. that uh, 
that you don't really contemplate how dark it is until later. Right. Because we also don't really like. I also like the part where it's like where Forky's like, "Why am I alive?" And they're like, "We don't, we don't know." Or at the end, where the other, the new stick figure comes in and she's like, "Why am I alive?" And he's like, "I don't know." <laughs> so it, it's weird. He's like, because it, it kind of leaves you on that weird existential note. But like, I guess it's funny enough during the movie that you don't consider the fact that Forky's trying to kill himself, right? <laughs> or or try to go or or be with his family, trying to be with his family in the trash. It's it's also it's, it's it's a flex. I mean, it's a flex is how I would put it that they're gonna <laughs> that they feel confident to put something that weird in one of these movies. <laughs> it's a it's a fascinating juxtaposition because when you look at Toy Story three, the the idea of trash in the dump is just such a terrifying thing, and like they literally are like going to their death in the trash incinerator, like at the dump, and then like um, you have Woody and Forky like on the road and they're walking to the RV camp, and then Forky describes the trash as like warm and like comforting and squishy sometimes squishy and like it's like oh like you know me just sitting here galaxy brain like having watched the toy story trilogy like five thousand times i'm like i'm like oh okay like trash is like a good thing now and uh you know he's like i'm bonnie's trash you know like i get it like you know it's like the eureka moment for me as you know porky but um no i just thought it was delightful i i really loved it because it was a way to like just you know, inject some inject a different energy into it, you know, um, in a very exciting, fun way. Yeah, so. but it also like you know, as much as it is about Forky and as crazy as it is that we spend that much time with a character that weird in a movie where we have like so many other characters that we have long relationships with. At the same time, it like it's it's all tied into Woody's arc uh, at the same yeah. time, which is like uh, just really impressive in that like we've known Woody for what 25 years now and through four movies and it feel still feels like we're like learning new things about the character and I think that's as impressive as as what the movie just does with Forky in and of himself but like those two things are like obviously like very connected about it and you know I it's so interesting that like Woody I guess in the first three movies I mean uh while they're all very impressively different in their own right like he never really considers being anything other than someone else's toy and I guess that's what he's doing for most of this movie. But the fact that, like, the journey that they take him on on this movie uh, gets to, like, it's one that gets him to a place where it's totally believable and you're even rooting for him to choose something different, I think is, like, uh, as impressive as anything else this movie accomplishes. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And something that I was thinking about, you know, while you were talking about that, just like it was how um, the movie really kind of takes an interesting take on, I guess, um, usefulness, I guess. Because Forky is like, I didn't, I served my purpose. I, you know, I was someone's, you know, I helped someone eat some food and now I'm trash and I'm done. Whereas <laughs> Woody, and he's like, yeah, like I'm, I'm done. I served my purpose and now I'm, I'm good to go. Whereas Woody, you know, he served his purpose. He was Andy's favorite toy for, you know, the better part of, you know, a, more than a decade. And now he can't, he can't really, it took him the whole movie to accept that he served his purpose. It's time to go find a new one now. So I kind of thought that was an interesting dichotomy uh, between two toys uh, trying to find what their new purpose actually is. Yeah, I mean, Joe, uh, what do you, what did you, what did you think of just like you? You've probably seen Toy Story more than just about anyone I uh, not just anyone I know, but just more than anyone. Period. Like, uh, how impressive did you find it that like uh, it was able to get Andy from like where he was at the uh, it just in, even in Toy Story three to where he ends up in this movie and how did what did you think of how the movie was able to pull that off? Uh, I thought it was fascinating because it gave like Tom Hanks something else to play with the character because like you know Woody's like 
because like you know Woody's always like you know in the first three he like the toys are trying to get back to Andy you know and like that's the basic like um the basic thing of all of them they're trying to get back to Andy before some sort of deadline whether he's moving or um going off to college or whatever and like you know it's Woody like really just trying to like cling to uh what he knows you know he's he's like he's going through like a sincere like midlife crisis and you could kind of feel like when you listen to Tom Hanks like perform the role you can kind of feel like this extra level of desperation in him that isn't really necessarily present in especially the first two I mean three it's a different kind of desperation obviously but but I do uh, like I do like when you're talking about like just him getting to play something different I think it's another interesting layer to the character that while he is desperate to find some kind of usefulness for himself he's not like as like nasty or vindictive about it as mm-hmm. like maybe he even is in the first one when he's just really jealous of buzz you yeah. know it's like mm-hmm. he's like really self-aware enough to know that like look i mean all, i love all these other toys they're all my family i'm not gonna like take it out on them that i'm angry i thought he was gonna be like nasty towards jesse or something when it's like uh bonnie's taking the badge off of him and giving it to jesse but he's mm-hmm. he's kind of accepting that's what, what that's what the way things is and just like trying to do something different while at the same time like he's not really blaming anyone else. I thought that was a kind of an interesting turn, like for the character. It's just, it feels weird to like be breaking down this, uh, the psyche of like a 1950s stuffed cowboy doll that, that much, but like, (laughs) it's, it's what they've been able to do. Like, it's why they're like, it's why that these folks are like the best at what they do. I I, I don't know. I I feel like I could just like think about everything that goes on with Woody in this movie for a really long time. And it's interesting to see his instincts take him to the wrong places too. Cause it's like, in the first three, it's very much characterized. Woody like knows what to do, and he's always like the like he always has a plan for something, or he always is like er- who everybody turns to. And um, in this one, you see like Woody's like impulses like lead to very bad things. You know, like he goes to kindergarten with Bonnie, and it could have turned out very bad, getting confiscated and all that. But luckily, it turns out fine. But then like the situation where he goes into the open aisle in Second Chance Antiques, and like creates all that drama and everything and what he just makes bad choice after bad choice and or like his impulses lead him to choices that were um you know hero winning things in the previous installments and to have him kind of his old impulses lead him to uh just repeat his screw-ups in this one i thought was actually just a really interesting direction to take him and something i really enjoyed about this one honestly um to kind of see him have to reckon with you know him trying to you know imitate his old life and have it and imitate his old um well some, 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 <laughs> someone that's someone that's definitely not trying to do that as far as like imitating old life uh would be bo peep uh adam what do you think of badass bo peep uh she was fantastic <laughs> she she i mean really for a good part of the movie she kind of stole the movie i mean she what was interesting is talking about how you know his instincts uh in the first couple of movies he's always the leader he's the lead toy and you see in the beginning of the movie he's not the lead toy anymore then he tries to be the leader again you know after you know, he, meet, he meets Bo Peep again. They're going on the rescue mission to find Forky. And Bo Peep is like, you need to listen to me. I know what I'm doing. I've been here. And Woody kind of disregards her for a little bit until he realizes what he's doing wrong. And what he's doing wrong is everything. Um, so, I, yeah, Bo Peep in this movie is just a huge badass, fantastic. It really, it, I mean, because her character isn't – she's kind of – I mean, she's in the first couple of movies, but she's not, like, really super developed as a character. So I really like where they took her as a character and kind of developed her on her own 
One one thing I heard when I was listening to a couple podcasts today, I can't remember which one. I wish I could have been the first one to make this point. Was in a way, I guess, like they're using her as like a, a metaphor for. Uh, what it's like when someone in the world is like decided not to have kids and people are like bothering them like why haven't you like had kids do you want kids and she's just constantly saying no I'm fine on my own like I, I didn't I hadn't really thought about that because it's like you know we're, we're more talking about like they're talking in the movie about like you, have you attached yourself to a kid not have you like taken a kid under your wing but it, it, it is kind of funny how like everyone's constantly questioning her and she's like no, nah, I'm good on my own. Like, Joe, what did you think watching watch, watching her? Because as Adam said, like, you know, in those first couple of movies, she, I mean, she's largely there to, like, just show affection towards Woody. And it's pretty cool that, like, they so they just, like, brought her back off the bench with a vengeance, for lack of a better term. I absolutely loved it. And I also really loved that they brought back, um, they brought back Annie Potts to voice the character again. Like, I was really, like, when I heard that she was going to be coming back in a major way, I was like, a little concerned they might like try to recast the role. So I was really glad that Annie Potts did come back for it. But um, yeah, no, I thought it was great. Like I, I thought the sheep thing was wonderful because, you know, it's one of the most like delightful things about the original toy story that doesn't really get acknowledged is that, you know, she does have like the three headed sheep, even though like they're three separate bodies, whatever it's (laughs) no, I just thought it was great. You know, I thought they took it to a really nice place to speak, like just to, go back to the weird humor a little bit where Woody accidentally pulls her arm off. And like, that's just, oh, like, a great, like, <laughs> it's a great, like horrific moment. That's just really, really funny. And like, a lot of great no, moments. I, yes, absolutely. Um, no, I thought she was wonderful and I'm glad that she got to have, like, she got to have like a major role in it because, you know, as Adam mentioned before, she is kind of confined to the, Andy's room for one and two and then obviously absent for three. So no, I thought she was fantastic and I really loved her in this. So, and then of course the sheep, uh, yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was also super funny when like yeah. when like Woody was trying to guess their names and was just like bad, and, they, and, and they gave him like the death stare. But no, like I I agree. Like it's it was really cool, and I I guess part of what I appreciated was that like just again it was such a smart decision by the movie to like even come up with that idea in the first place. Of like, I mean, well, actually, I can't remember. I did rewatch Toy Story three for the first time like a couple weeks ago. But um, is was the idea of a lost toy something they had talked about before in the movies? In the original Toy Story, lost being a lost toy was like the like worst thing possible. Because okay, so they talk about uh, it. I hadn't watched the first in a few yeah, years. When they when Buzz and Woody fall out, like they they get in their argument and they're tussling and they fall out of the, out of the minivan and then Andy and his mom drive off. Like Woody just has like this complete meltdown about being a lost toy. Ah, uh, okay. And like yeah, just being completely homeless and not yeah. So like it is, it's like Woody's like biggest fear, like deep. So, so it's cool that like that's actually like it's like it's canon it's a thing it's they've recognized it before but they were able to like think about a way to expound upon that as deeply as they do in this movie as like mm-hmm. hey maybe this isn't such a bad thing because like i mentioned earlier you know they've only ever thought of themselves as andy's toys and to have like such a to like in such a profound way have them like reconsider what it could possibly mean to be something else is like really cool and you know we didn't even really talk about the opening scene because i think we mentioned how like in the in the in the third one they only briefly mentioned like oh look what happened to bo peep and i i don't think i'd even seen the coverage like you had joe where like i even knew that bo peep was going to be a big part of this movie and i i don't i i guess i kind of realized that yeah she was going to come back somehow once we saw that first scene like why are they showing that to us otherwise but you know i i was just like i i i i just thought it was like such a smart thread that they like 
of, of, that they picked up on that was just like laying there from the third movie to like have it just come out like this and just like have someone like so strongly make the case for another way of life is like such a bizarre thing to do when we're like talking about toys but it's i mean it's there and it's like a uh, really impressive that the movie has like two tells two really big stories you know i mean i guess everything going on that you hear them talking about on the outside with her before they, they go on their actual mission but everything that's also going on in the atik stores it i mean it, it's really impressive that they, they, can, they can like tell like i don't know two full kind of stories that way even if like largely it's all about like these movies are about like you know i don't know like identity and love and belonging and friendship and family and like, they're all about the same stuff but they like really serviced uh a lot of I don't I don't want to say a lot of characters because they put those they they largely put a lot of the other toys uh, on the back burner but like t- t- told really full stories with respect to uh, Forky and Gabby Gabby and Bo Peep and Woody yeah so um, yeah and one, like one one thing I wanted to kind of do the the lost toy um, arc and everything like that is uh, these movies make such a, a grand gesture of a child like writing their name on the toy. So like right. um, in the first toy story, like uh, what he has Andy written on his boot and it's a big moment in the film where buzz gets Andy written on the bottom of his boot and then, um, or space boot, whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> buzz Lightyear wears. And then like, even at the end of toy story two, it's a big moment where bullseye and Jesse get Andy on the bottom of their feet. But um, that's like a big thing in this one too, where, uh, Forky not only is a class project, but he gets Bonnie written on the bo- bottom of his popsicle stick, which is just funny. Is that, is that the magic? Did, did, did none of my toys come alive because I didn't write my name on the bottom of them? Like, is, that, is, that what, is that what that does? <laughs> this is something that was briefly uh, touched on in the Q&A today, where I think the, dire- the director, Josh Cooley, said something along the lines of, like, you imbue your toy – like. Like, and this was him saying, like, it was kind of flying, you know, it's, it's not like hard, like in stone canon or anything, but like the act of like, you know, putting ownership on your toy by, uh, you know, writing your name on it and forming that special bond with it would sort of imbue it with life, I guess. Speaking speaking of toys uh, coming to life, I mean, it's obviously the iconic moment in the original Toy Story where like Woody actually talks to Sid, but... Do they? Is there actually a moment like like that where the where the toy interacts with the human in two or three? I don't think there is in three. Is there in two? Not really. No. So yeah, I, it's just in in Toy Story, the original Toy Story. Yeah. Yeah. So like you know that was something I was thinking about as I was watching this movie. It's like I don't need to have all the rules of the world explained to me. You know, like I kind of get it based on like how they act when they gotta like they they gotta drop dead and be still whenever someone comes into the room. But it's cool that, that that's like a moment that happened in a movie. 24 years ago where it's like hey we know that's a thing they can do and then like are they gonna like have it happen in a super serious like intense moment uh, like they did in that one and then all of a sudden this movie just goes back to that well for laughs like it was like really unexpected yeah. and funny the way it pulled that off mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i <laughs> it was just one of the uh it, it it was just delightful you know to see them kind of uh, like, because there are like a lot of like callbacks and homages to the first Toy Story in this one, especially like, you know, we talked about the lost toy thing, and then yeah, like the actual talking was, I mean, Trixie impersonating the uh, GPS, the uh, GPS was just <laughs> wonderful. I thought, and like one of my biggest laughs in the movie is Buzz is like, <laughs> Buzz is like, 
You left your backpack in the antique shop. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 I think that was that. Yeah, I think that was before. Yeah, that was before the even the Trixie thing. So yeah, like, is it the first one? Is it something so quick and out of nowhere and random like that? Is the first time we've actually seen the, like them. I, I, I don't. It's not even called breaking the fourth wall. I don't know. I don't even know what the term would be. But just Break, like, breaking like, the toy wall. Sure, breaking Dang. the toy wall. It's like <laughs> it's just funny. It's, it's just a quick, out of nowhere moment like that, and it's not like a a massive moment that's built up to like Woody actually talking to Sid in the first one. I, I so it's really. I mean, because the the movie is really funny. I mean, like I, you know, I I rewatched Toy Story three for the first time like since I saw it in theaters. I, I forgot to mention that at the beginning. I wish I had because I asked you guys what you thought about it coming back, and I didn't really say what I thought about it coming back. But like. Toy Story 3 was like a very memorable movie for me. One, it was the it was the first movie I'd ever seen uh, by myself, which I mean, I'm a big fan of seeing movies by myself now, but I'd never done it before. It was the first time I can ever remember like coming close to crying in a movie. Like I don't really cry in movies. And I, I and I when when I saw this when when I was about to watch it rewatch it again in preparation for this, I was like a little scared because like I'd never gone back to it because I was like worried I wouldn't be able to replicate that theater experience. And I was like, yeah, I'm probably not gonna be able to cry and like. I feel like I laughed at, like, a ton of stuff in that movie, and I, I don't even know if it's going to be that funny again like, if I try and watch it now. And I really laughed a lot. Uh, maybe not as much as I expected to. Uh, I laughed at, like, the Barbie Ken stuff, which is weirdly, that like, the funniest yeah. stuff. I still – that works the most for me from a comedy standpoint. But I absolutely nice. – I absolutely – what? Nice ascot. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I absolutely, like, lost it and cried even more than I did when I saw it in theaters, like, when Andy plays with the toys with Bonnie. And I was like – huh, that's, like, kind of interesting that, like, that part worked for me more. And, like, here, like, I actually think I laughed more at Toy Story 4 than I did at 3. I wouldn't say I like 4 better than 3, but, like, man, there is, like, a lot of funny stuff in this movie. Like, they pack a bunch of comedy into it. Yeah, I think this one was probably, as I love all three of the movies that came before it. I think this one was probably the funniest. Just straight (laughs) up, like, constant, constant great lines. One-liners, you know, great, great setups or anything. It was probably, I think it was probably the funniest of, of the four. Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely agree. I mean, I just feel like it's absurd that we're however many minutes into this, and we're I'm finally going to say the names Ducky and Bunny. Which right. Yeah. I mean, I was going to just... ask you about them, but like, I mean, I, it's just so crazy that like they can already have so much funny stuff in this movie. It's like, hey, we're going to get Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele to just like, like kill it every time they talk and like make, just, just make the funny. whole audience. Yeah. I mean, like, it was insane. Like, I mean. How how weird is it that like it had the thing where like they, they just like they took like literally over two minutes of a Pixar movie is just devoted to like two stuffed animals scaring an old lady like how insane is that like the, the, it took the time to like do a digression like that like how inexplicable but like is it like if that stuff's not funny it's like it's like an eyesore on the movie but it's funny. I also I sorry when I, I think I may have laughed the hardest when. After they're going through, like, you know, like the, like, uh, like Key and Peel are going through, like, different plots, trying to figure out how to get this key to Gabby Gabby's oh. case. And then they're like, so how did you get the key? And, like, it was very, it was very difficult. I was <laughs> that was, that was probably the hardest I laughed at the whole movie, too. <laughs> just the, and Joe's just laughing thinking about it. <laughs> you see the glass of wine on the bathtub? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't, oh my god I, and then and then the post credit scene where they're shooting the, <laughs> please just wait, watch it just please or, or the, the poor the poor action figure who couldn't get a high five for like oh. the entire movie like just <laughs> so you can't see it's an audio medium so you can't see but I'm like just holding my hand up just like waiting for a high five 
But well, you know, I mean, look, it's it's kind of funny and really impressive. You know, I mean, I could talk all day about the funny moments in this movie, but it's like a lot of this comedy is actually like taking place within this antique shop, which we haven't even talked that much about the antique shop itself. But like that, I mean, like I leaned over to Adam after, after like just like 10 minutes in that antique shop. And I was like, I didn't know I was seeing a horror movie. Like I, I, I like it was like legit scary like and don't like I was like scared for my life like every time we were in that antique shop and I thought I was gonna have to like see those Benson like creepy looking puppet dudes like like just yeah, like oh. just because the first time you saw them they were so creepy I was like afraid I was gonna have to look at them every time we were in there and I was like just thinking back on it now it's like man I was like terrified every time the movie cut back into the store just because I thought I was gonna have to look at those things but at the same time it pulled off like so many funny moments amidst all of that which is just really impressive like what did you guys think of like that antique shop is just a setting in general for this movie well, another one of my favorite uh, franchises from when I was a kid is Goosebumps. Love Goosebumps. <laughs> and I got huge Slappy the Dummy vibes from Benson. That's all I could think of when I first saw it. When I first saw them, I was like, that's Slappy. That's Slappy, and they're going to be creepy this entire movie. <laughs> Joe, did, did, was this, is this the best horror movie you've seen this year? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, you know, I'm glad that I got the horror dose here because I, I usually am just too much of a – I'm too much of a scaredy cat to see any horror movies, but uh, I really love how, at least for Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4, they've kind of really leaned into, like, you know, like, Toy Story 3 is, like, really, like, a prison break movie, and it's just so fun and interesting the ways that you go through that, and then this one, just, like, the horror stuff and, like, just the borderline creepiness of it, like, I just... I think one of my favorite scenes is just when Woody and Forky first get into the carriage and Gabby Gabby's talking to them and it's just like it devolves. It's just like this weirdly pleasant like conversation and it just gets creepier and creepier as it goes like, on. Every time she and, talked, I, like, I laughed basically, I think, just because of like how creepy it was. And then but then yeah. I got I was just I was I was just scared of the Bensons. Like I, I didn't even laugh at them, really. I think I was just like, ugh, God, but yeah, like wait, they're, they're, they're creepy. They're creepy in universe, too, when they when the skunk motor, like the RC yeah. skunk car comes out and is being followed by like the the carriage and like the woman turns over the carriage expecting to find a baby and there's just like a doll in there like the benzen dolls in there and she jumps back and starts oh, yeah. screaming they're creepy in <laughs> universe it's yeah. canon that they're that, very that, that was like hilarious though at the same time uh, oh, yeah. even if most of the time i was just creeped out by them I, I i laughed a lot at that but like i don't know like uh you know what did you what did you think of what did you guys think though of gabby as like uh a quote unquote villain, you know, like it was interesting. It was like much in the same vein. I mean, exactly. Actually, I don't want to say it's in the same vein as what Lotso was like, because Lotso like uh, was largely driven by like his anger from being abandoned. Whereas like uh, Gabby just like actually wanted to like have that experience for the first time and was willing to do whatever t- it takes to 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 get it. So I mean, I, I get I guess slightly different, but ultimately like uh, it goes back to just all of these toys, just like. I really want to be loved. So uh, what what did you think of her and ultimately like getting more redeemed than like what they did with Lotso in the third? I like that Gabby Gabby actually had the redemption like arc, uh, you know, and that really like the, you know, there's always that saying that like the best villains are the heroes of their own stories, if you will. And like, I really like that, you know, I mean, the, the methods of getting the voice box were, extremely creepy and we cannot just we cannot throw that away like the carriage scene alone is just creepy but um like you know i mean she just she just wanted to be played with you know and it's you know i'm glad that she got that opportunity you know because i mean Lotso being an unredeemed villain for toy story 3 was a really interesting choice and i really liked that but i'm also glad that she was able to get her moment here and 
um yeah i just thought it was really fascinating that like and she and forky had the bond too and it's it's just kind of fascinating to think that in 2019 we can have a movie where you know a spork and a 1950s uh chatty kathy uh knockoff can have like a really endearing heart filled relationship. So I just got that. Yeah. I just got like Gabby, Gabby. Oh, her name, her name. It's not just her name twice. It's like Gabby, like talking. I just got that. Oh God. <laughs> I, I even totally. And then, and then she, but she couldn't talk. Uh, well, she couldn't talk. Well, at, she, uh, uh, at, at, Adam, were you, were you ultimately moved by her arc? And uh, what did you think of the role that Woody actually played in it? And like, were you hope like, were you thinking like at some point where you're like, I, I actually like feel for her enough that I want Woody to give up his voice. And like, what, what were you thinking as like, we were like kind of headed down to that resolution? Um, I don't know if I would go as far as to say like, Oh, I was, you know, hoping Woody would give up his voice box, but like she definitely became more sympathetic. Like at first she's like, Oh, She's, you know, a sociopath. She's, I thought, I thought they were going to kind of, going to kind of go a similar route to, to Lotso where it's like, she doesn't have a, a child to play with. So she's just gone insane in this, in this antique store being with these creepy Benson dolls the whole time. Like, uh, she's just gone insane. But then it's like, Oh no, she's sympathetic. She's just lonely. She just wants to be loved. And it's like, okay, I get where you're coming from. Still don't take what he's, what he's voice box, but I get mm-hmm. where you're coming from. And then, um, and then, yeah, like she definitely became a very sympathetic character. And yeah, she definitely was very like the first time I started like tearing up in the movie was when, you know, they see the you know the little girl crying and lost at the fair, and they're like, "Go, that's your kid, go." And the, the girl finds her, and she finds the girl, and it's really nice. And that was the first time, like that was the first time I got really like emotional during the movie was that's in that pre- scene. That's so. actually pretty late in the movie, Joe. Like. Uh... Was there was there was there a moment at any point in the movie? It's like that was the first time where you like got really emotional watching it. Well, I mean, you know, just being the fan, being the fanboy that I am, I guess. You when, just cried the whole time. The <laughs> <laughs> I was just sobbing from the moment from the moment I got my eyes see. I was just sobbing. <laughs> um, no, um, no, I well, Woody and Bo Peep being back together was obviously a very good moment. But um, just to speak to that moment um, where uh, Gabby, Gabby. Like she really, she takes a chance there and it's like really her first truly like altruistic, like, uh, action in the whole movie. Cause the whole time she's trying to get the voice box. And then like with Bonnie, there's like the guaranteed safety net of the other toys are here. They're going to help me. And really she like takes that huge gamble there to like help that lost child. And if the lost child doesn't respond to her, then like. Yeah, then, then she's fucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, sorry, so, sorry like, to cuss on a on a, on a family friendly movie podcast, but <laughs> she she would she 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 she, she would have she yeah like I mean she would have just like gotten thrown in a lost and found bin or something. I don't know. And I in that moment really resonated with me because it really it really fully redeemed her in my mind because I do think that like the the way she requires Woody's voice box is still just questionable like as a. <laughs> Uh, ethically you I mean, know it's so a, it's a crime like her, they had a crime really, amongst at, yeah. at the end it's really it's like a transplant in a way yeah. it's right it's, yeah it's consensual yeah yes ultimately but um <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it's you know i i was i was really touched by that moment and uh, like what gabby gabby was able to do for the child there so like yes there there was there was some waterworks on my end um <laughs> yeah. that happened yeah, what, what I'll say, what I'll say before uh, before we give any final thoughts though, as far as like when I got emotional though, it relates to that though because I was like, I mean, I guess I, I wasn't ultimately really cheering for Woody to get up his voice box or anything, but like at the point where it became clear that like 
possibly like going with Bo Peep and not going back with the other toys was like a possibility. And I remember that like at the beginning of the movie, it's you know Bonnie doesn't really seem to give a shit about him anymore. I was like, man, like this is actually pretty cool. Like he could go live with Bo Peep. He doesn't have the voice anymore. So once like Bonnie realizes he's broken, he might just get thrown out anyway. So I was like actively like rooting for him not to go back. I was like, hey, dude, you're gonna like you're gonna get thrown in the trash if you go back like you really need to like not do this and for a second it looks like he's going to so when he finally actually like figures it out and like runs back and gives Bo Peep a hug like that's when I like started getting kind of emotional myself I was like that was like the moment that really did it to me because I like I was like the movie finally kind of clicked into place for me I was like this is really where Woody's story needs to end up and like they did it in like the most fitting way and like I was I was just like really happy that he got that send off. And I, I, that was where I, that was kind of where I, uh, I got emotional. I mean, I, I guess you guys would probably agree though, that like, it was like a really, like, it was like about the most perfect way to end Woody's story. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it was interesting at, at the Q and a I was at today, the, the filmmakers said they didn't make that decision for Woody to stay with Bo Peep until about halfway through the process. Really? And the reason they also, the reason they only made that decision was they were, they, they talked about, Oh, like we have this fun story here, but it's like kind of missing something. And one of them pitched like, well, what if Woody stays with Bo Peep? And then the question in the room was kind of like, can, can we do that? Like, can <laughs> we actually like do that? And then like this, the prospect of them made them so emotional that they were like, it went from like, can we do that we too? Like to figure we out have how to, to do, do that. that. Yeah. And like, that's the, that's where the story needs to go. And like, that is the moment where it just felt really, this movie became like, Oh my gosh, do we need this too? Like, yes, we absolutely needed this because like, you know, Woody is finally able to like let go of that past life where he just feels so committed to a kid all the time. And he really finds his new purpose. Cause the whole thing as we've, you know, kind of, we've touched on before, it's just like, Woody is like looking for usefulness, looking for usefulness. And there's that, that really powerful scene when they first, um, where they attempt to rescue Forky and don't, and they get out of uh, second chance antiques. And then Woody like angrily responds because it's like, Bo Peep's like, why are you doing this? And then Woody's like, it's because all, it's all I have left to do, you know? And, um, you know, that, that just really just made the movie for me when he chooses to go back to Bo Peep, as I'm sure it did many people. Um, but it really just completes Woody's story in a very nice way. And it's one of the reasons why I just really love this movie and, um, am so glad that it actually got made in spite of all the public, you know, out, uh, backlash and outcries to not let it happen. So, yeah, like I know we were, I know we were talking in the beginning about, you know, like I said, and we've all said Toy Story 3 was, we all assumed was, this is the perfect ending. You can't top that. It, it hits every note perfectly. Why do anything else? It's perfect. Well, yeah, it concluded Woody's arc with Andy. But then the question that was obviously there that anyone who wanted to ask could easily ask is what happens when Bonnie gets older or what happens when Bonnie doesn't want to play with Woody anymore? Well, now now we get our answer. Now now his arc really is complete. Um, I don't know if they're making if there's a Toy Story 5 in the works. I'm assuming there is. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see what they, what they would do now, whether, you know, a Toy Story 5 would be you know, Woody and Bo Peep's adventures at the carnival or going back to the, you know, buzz with Bonnie and, and, you know, all the rest of the toys that we all, we, we all still love. We just didn't get a lot of in this movie. Um, if that's what this, you know, the focus would be without Tom Hanks, 
or or would they do something <laughs> completely different? I mean, I don't, I don't. They really could, if they do continue the franchise, they could go anywhere with it, and they've earned my trust to, that they'll do it well. So, well, I made a joke to Adam after the movie, like, "Oh, are you excited for the?" Eight episode uh, Disney Plus miniseries of the, of the Adventures of Woody and Little Bo Peep, and I, I, I was, I actually don't think that would happen because I don't think Tom Hanks really wants to spend his time like doing like Disney Plus TV like TV shows. But like, mm. there apparently there actually is going to be some kind of like they're going to put like Forky short stories on there or like some kind, of, some kind of like Adventures of Forky type thing is actually happening. Uh, so sold. I'm sold. I, I mean, I, I feel like <laughs> I, I, I honestly like. I mean, again, I. I I I I guess I guess they've earned our trust, but like I, I don't really know where a story would go for these main characters at this point. But actually, one thing I did say earlier was that you know, um, it'd be it'd be weird to have a Toy Story movie without uh, without Woody. But like they, Buzz was really pushed to the side. One of the things we, we talked about a lot of the stuff that made us laugh in this movie. But you know, one of the impressive things it does, and I think they do laugh at uh, Buzz being a little bit. Uh, uh, dim-witted uh, throughout the throughout the first few movies, but they really lean into that here with him mm-hmm. trying to talk to his inner voice, and I th- <laughs> and, and 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 that stuff really did uh, work for me or whatever. But it, it does seem like obviously, like um, especially with like him and Jesse, like those are characters you could probably like. I mean, I, I, they could probably care, carry a movie if they wanted to, but I don't really want to speculate too much on that because, like, I mean, who knows if it's actually happening or not? But it's like they. they because but because they didn't like devote a bunch of time to those characters, I feel like they could get they could go deeper on them if they wanted to. But it does seem like a big picture that Pixar, at least in the immediate short term, is trying to like get back to more original movies, which I'm um, I'm also happy about. But uh, before before we uh, before we wrap up with any final thoughts, the one other thing I wanted to say was we we mentioned the antique shop as a setting, but I just wanted to say like I thought it was like actually like really impressive action choreography you know i mean there's a little bit of that at the beginning of the third i guess when like they're um acting out like whatever it is that uh whatever they're doing with andy or when andy's playing with them and they have like kind of the action scene there and they have you know the heist the heist elements when they're running around the daycare center but as far as just like a very intricate action intricate action plotting a lot of the stuff that goes on in this antique shop feels pretty unique and i was very impressed by that uh we didn't talk about duke kaboom that stuff the was Canadian pretty, legend. That, that the stuff, Canadian legend. Yeah, that stuff was pretty great too. Connect uh, with all the luck. Yes, uh, great two months for Keanu Reeves. Uh, but I, I, I don't. I, I just didn't know if you guys had any other thoughts on just like whether even if it's Duke of Boomer, just like the the way the way this movie visually looked. But I just thought that like I did think that like what they pulled off in some of those sequences in the antique shop, like it felt pretty distinct from any kind of action scene that I'd seen in uh, a lot of these other. Um, Pixar movies like I think Joe and I did talk about action uh when we talked about Incredibles 2 about about a year ago but I mean I feel like uh that stuff's more like outdoors kind of and bigger picture regular superhero fight kind of stuff there's like a almost more moving parts I would say in something like some of these sequences in the antique shop yeah one thing I noticed on my like you know my rewatch of the Toy Story movies which um is I really have to be more specific (laughs) I I just saw that Uh, on Friday uh, yeah, <laughs> the uh, the five thousand rewatch is like uh, the Mac, the MacGyverness the of uh, of like some of the stuff they do in these movies. That's just so brilliant, and wonderful. I I think specifically of Buzz's escape from the caterpillar room in Toy Story three, where he uh, jumps on the off the broom handle and hang glides on the hanging paintings through the transom and all that. But anyway. Um, I remember thinking to myself where Woody has leaped 
uh, Woody has a string tied around his body. And Bo Peep is on the other side of that string. And Buzz and Ducky and Bonnie are trying to help her back up. And uh, Benson and uh, the dummies and um, Gabby Gabby are pulling on the string the other way. And then you enter the cat, too. And I just think, oh, my God, this is incredible. <laughs> like, it's like this is just literally like a complete cluster bleep for, you know, like just for I like this situation right, that Woody's well, in. It's, just, easy, it's easy for me to say this looks intricate in a lot of details. But, like, I think you have a more of a working understanding of just how animation works. Uh, and, like, that can't be easy to do, right? Oh, no, absolutely not. Because, like, you know, you have, like, the entire layout of – you get the you have the digital layout of the computer set of the antique store, and you have to like place everybody within this thing, and then you have to animate everybody and light everybody, and uh, you know, I mean, it just, I mean, when they say that this, I mean, this movie from announcement to debut was five years, so I mean, just to put into perspective, like uh, how um, just the manpower and the hours that went into um, the staging of all this stuff, you know, so. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a phenomenal achievement. Like just that one sequence. Cause like, you know, the, I think of the, the CG animated show I work on, which, um, is nowhere near the, you know, sophistication of what they do at Pixar. Um, you know, just, just the feat of accomplishing Cause I, I think I just watching that scene as someone who works in this industry, I just thought like, Oh my God, like how do they even pull this off? And, um, yeah, it was just sort of a moment of awe of like, wow, like they're really have all these, they're serving like all these different moments in the same space here. And it was just incredible. So they gave um, Duke Kaboom his yeah. own emotional arc. I mean, what can you, what, what, what else can you say? We're like, <laughs> even, even all the way down to Duke Kaboom, the movie really like gets its characters. Um, the hallucination where he's, where he's Rajon, <laughs> it's really—we like, really can't overstate how funny this movie was. Like every other scene, there's like there's something hilarious happening. It, it reminded like, it reminded me of like the the final like <laughs> sequence of uh, I, Guardians of the Galaxy two, where like they that move that that action scene at the end of the movie goes on for so long, but it, it just doesn't mind taking time out for like a joke or something. And it's like with the Rajon thing, like it's like wow, like it's cool that they're going there in what is otherwise like a very serious high leverage moment in this movie. Uh, I just oh, yeah. I, I, I had mad respect for them uh, being willing to do that. Um, uh, we all we also never talked about just this for the dad, just this, this road trip <laughs> from hell. That daddy's gonna say some words now. We're gonna walk away. Like this movie, this movie was so funny. We didn't talk about uh, what was it Trixie's her name? You know, trying to get the dad sent to prison. Oh like, no, no, it wasn't Trixie. It's the other Butter- um, Buttercup. Yeah, Butter- just, keep, okay. just keeps joking. <laughs> yeah, it does get very uh, like very uh, man. Like I don't want to say dark because like it's not like he's going to jail for anything serious or anything, or even going to jail at all. But or that she like wants him to like. Who knows how sinister her thoughts actually are, but like it was like, man, like, uh, he's really committed to that joke or committed to that, uh, committed to say, just committed to that plan over and over again. And like they, they actually really go there with it. It's like, all right, cool. You like you paid it off, you know? It pays off beautifully. It's so, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't know. Like, funniest animated movie I've seen, like, I, or most I've laughed, I'd say, in theater in an animated movie since the first Lego movie, I'd say. And and easily the funniest Pixar movie, I, probably, I would think, um, for, for me. Adam, any final thoughts? Any else? Anything else we didn't touch on or any odds or ends or final thoughts you wanted to um, share with us? It, it justified its existence for you, though. It definitely justified its, its existence. Uh, I will say also, um, Kayla got, my girlfriend got for her birthday, 
uh, a talking Forky. Uh, This is is about two weeks ago, so before we saw the movie. And that's where I was like, okay, maybe this actually will be pretty good because we were listening to, like, the different things that it said. Did it say trash? And there's one line – well, yes. (laughs) There's one that's like, you're just like me. Trash. And we lost it. We lost it. Forky is a millennial icon. I am ready for the adventures of Forky on Disney+. Plus. I'll subscribe just for that. Uh, Yeah, no. The movie was great. Go see it if you haven't already. Well, if you guys if you haven't seen it already and you're listening to this and you kind of ruined it for you, but you should still see it anyway. You need to but, do is take like a cell phone video of that Forky thing where it's like, uh, you're just like me, trash, and just like tweet it at people whenever they have like a bad tweet or something like <laughs> there's, that. There's, there's a GIF. I, I, tweet, I already tweeted out a GIF of Forky earlier of tonight. Uh, <laughs> because, well, because somebody, somebody I follow tweeted something like, you know, like hashtag Toy Story 4 and then just trash exclamation point or not, not, or something like that. It was, not calling movie trash, but making a reference to Forky, and I tweeted back a gif of Forky saying, "I'm trash." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's I never related to a, to a character more." <laughs> Very apt, uh, Joe. Any final thoughts? Um, I just I absolutely loved it. You know, I, I you know I just really feel like a, such a strong connection to these characters, and I feel really protective over these characters, even though I didn't create them. And that's you know sort of a you know, I mean, we could talk all about how that, you know, very primal urge leads to a lot of toxic uh, fanhood, if you will. But um, no, I was just very pleased and very satisfied and very just um, very happy that they made something that really is worthy of the other three uh, movies. And yeah, I think um, I think it's worth. Yeah, Sorry, finish, finish. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut. Oh, no, no, no. I just, no, I just really loved it a lot. And um, just even watching it a second time, I just got so much enjoyment out of it. And um, really, I guess the thing is, you know, when Toy Story 3 wrapped up, I always thought, you know, these things should live on through like animated shorts. Like if you've heard of the Toy Story tunes, the Hawaiian Vacation, uh, Small Fry, uh, Party Source Rex, et cetera, the holiday specials. Um, which if you're a Toy Story fan and you haven't seen those, like, please watch them. They're fantastic. They're great. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just really happy they made this and I'm really happy they nailed it. And I can't wait for whatever super, um, expensive, complicated Blu-ray special edition box that they make because I will. Were you surprised? (laughs) Were you surprised there wasn't a short at the beginning of this thing? Yes, I was, you know, it was kind of, I will say like there was a lot of, um, to go off on a tangent, there was a lot of like a lot of there based in my circle of who I follow on social media and my bubble, there was people who were, um, upset that there wasn't a short before it. And I think the reason is honestly is Pixar recently launched a program called spark shorts where they kind of, um, use it as a, you know, sort of a training ground for promising filmmakers within the company. And I think that since they devoted all their shorts to that program, that that may have been the reason why there wasn't one before this movie. Yeah, but that's all to say, next time I watch it, I'll be searching all over the place for Easter eggs. Um, I'm glad that Tin Toy made an appearance. And uh, yeah, you know, I just really love this movie a lot. And I'm really glad that I can say that because um, certainly when they announced it five years ago, I um, was not in the healthy mental space yeah, to... You know. um, really say that yeah i'll just say like i think it's really uh impressive and 
uh, that this movie, like, is this good. It's surprising that it really is this good. I mean, given just uh, where it left off at the third one, and then, I mean, we don't really have time to go into, like, all the behind-the-scenes stuff at Pixar that, like, has, like, led this, like, made controversy, whether it be the, um, like, what Rashida Jones said when she left the project or the stuff with John Lasseter, like, like so much is going, like, I didn't even know until I was reading a story that John Lasseter was going to actually co-direct this, and I guess he hadn't. Did he, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did, did he direct Cars three or just Cars one and two? Like just uh, Cars one and two. So I don't think he, he hadn't directed a Pixar movie since Cars two. So like I mean that he was gonna have that level of involvement and then he like pretty much left the company in the last couple of years and like it had so much going on behind the scenes like whereas like I guess if a studio that wasn't like as stable as Pixar had had all that upheaval going on the movie like probably ends up being trash. Uh, to use that word in a different t- term, yeah, exactly. So it's it, it's it's kind of crazy that like it had all this changing. I mean, it's not unusual, I guess, for some of these movies to have like a lot of story credited writers. But I mean, like there's like what like different nine types of writer credits on this movie, and uh, had a director that left in the middle of production, I guess, kind of, and that it's still like this good. It, it's kind of incredible, and it speaks to like the um, the quality of what Pixar does and how they take their time and pay attention to everything. And I'm glad I can say that it, it overcame those odds to like. Um, make this movie as good as it was and um it'd be fun to jump back into like some original pixar movies uh next year so i'm we'll be here talking about that then uh but uh thanks everyone for listening before we sign off uh adam anything you want to plug uh if you want to follow me on twitter for all the local south florida high school sports news and other assorted things you can follow me uh on twitter at ab lichtenstein there you go and joe how about you um, if you like hot takes about the first place Atlanta Braves, um, I, I, <laughs> but by me. the way, I have Joe muted right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's at Joe underscore Morgan. And, um, there will surely be plenty of toy story for love on that account as well. If, uh, if you listen this long, then you're here for it. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> awesome. So there uh, you go. And as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I on Twitter and Letterbox. Podcast has its own Twitter feed now that I actually really need to start uh, pimping more than I have. It's uh, Rewind Movie Pod. Everyone, thanks for listening. Coming up next, I might have a podcast on Anna. And then uh, actually, Adam might be back to talk about yesterday in like the next week or two. So we got that. Uh, a lot of fun stuff coming up. And then, you know, Spider-Man the week after that. So uh, Uh, Luckily, summer movie season is not slowing down. So, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll see you next time.